This sermon was preached at Baptist Church of the Redeemer. For more information, please visit bcredeemer.org. During the recording of this sermon, we experienced some technical issues. Please excuse the audio quality. Amen. Well, C.S. Lewis said this about the human condition. He said, Our whole being is by nature one of one vast need. Incomplete, preparatory, empty yet cluttered, crying out for him who came to untie things that are knotted together and tie up things that are still dangling loose. I wonder if that kind of message of sort of human need and weakness is what you hear as you listen to our culture. Many today say that we're actually in the midst of a strengths revolution. One psychologist remarks that the emotions you experience as you get out of bed in the morning, think about those emotions, maybe even this morning, those emotions are a function of whether or not you spend your days using your, what he calls, signature strengths, or trying to frantically correct your weaknesses that you're aware of. He says, now this philosophy runs against currents in our culture, especially the philosophy of no pain, no gain. There's nothing painful about using your strengths. Gain does take work, but the effort is pleasant. Another article by Thomas Apong entitled, Forget Your Weaknesses, Play to Your Strengths, says this, The bitter truth is you may never overcome your weaknesses, but you could make significant changes as to how you live and work if you focus on what you are good at. The key here is that you don't have to change who you are, you just have to become more of who you are. Now, I understand that there are elements of of this kind of thinking that are true and and useful um, at work or even in sports or perhaps even in the local church. So if you're terrible at math, maybe you shouldn't major in accounting. Um, If you can't run two feet without tripping, maybe track isn't your sport. If you are rude and abrasive, we probably won't approach you to be on the greeting team at, at church. Um, But the deeper question is, what do we do with this reality that we know deep down inside that we are weak? We, We can't actually measure up. We do often blow it. We have done countless things that we're ashamed of. We're not all stars in life. As Christians, sometimes we're discouraged about the impact that we're having or not having on those around us. Maybe the lack of just progress that's happening in our own life. Repetitive sins continue to plague us. Relationships have soured. Family situations seem like they're dead ends. With no- Is there something about the weakness that we experience that's actually good, that's actually intended by God to make us distinctively His? And um, Hopefully you have that and you're opened with us, and you're looking through um, at the first chapter. Today, we're going to be looking at Paul's kind of prescript and personal greeting to this church that he planted in the city of Corinth. So we're just going to look at two short verses today, but we're also going to give some sh- kind of background and context for the relationship between Paul and the church and the themes for this book as a whole. So I want to frame up our study today and introduce the whole book to you um, that we're going to be we're going to be in and kind of living in, Lord willing, throughout the rest of this year. Now, the main point of 2 Corinthians is is this. God's power shines most brightly through weakness. God's power 
shines most brightly through weakness. So the title of our series is God's Power Perfected in Weakness. From that passage that Greg read earlier, as Paul, God reminds Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect. Be prepared yourself. The other reason is that, is that you might be able to use it as something to pass out to friends and say, we'd love for you to come and join in on one of these sermon series. You'll find some dates that perhaps are missing. Uh, so like next Sunday, Lord willing, Sam Webb will be preaching through the book of Jonah as I'll be out of town this week. So I would encourage you this week in your quiet time and as you spend time with the Lord, look through the book of Jonah. And then as we go through each of these sermons, you'll be ready to hear from God's word. This morning, we're going to be looking at the first two verses. So let's look at those together as we start. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is in Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Grace to you. Weakness. Secondly, I want us to see who Paul is writing to. The church there at Corinth, which we're going to call the embodiment of weakness. The church is the embodiment of weakness according to God's plan. And then finally, we're going to see the message of weakness itself. Help for weak, for the weak in the gospel. So three things I want to see, a messenger of of weakness, the embodiment of weakness, and then finally the message of weakness. Praying that through our time in 2 Corinthians, we would, as a church, learn to play to our strengths, which actually means, I think, embracing our weaknesses so that God's power will be on display in our lives, individually and as a body. So number one, the messenger of weakness. Look with me at that first phrase again of Uh, Verse 1 of chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Notice how Paul gets really quickly to the point here in this greeting, leaving no doubt as to his authorship of the letter and by what authority he's writing. Paul is himself a living, breathing illustration of the power of God that is manifested through weakness. If you remember, before his conversion on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, he was the strongest of the strong before he met Jesus. His religious credentials were unmatched. His heritage was pure. His zeal was boiling over. But on that day, when he met the risen Christ, he realized that all of that was in fact useless and that his strength was really just active rebellion against the king of the universe, Jesus Christ. So Jesus told Ananias to go to Paul with this commission in Acts 9.15. He said, the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. How would you like that for your commission in life? Two early things that Paul knew about his ministry. Number one, he was an apostle to the Gentiles. Those who had no history with God um, apart from God's old covenant promises. And his life and ministry is going to be a reflection of Christ's. Characterized by suffering. So this man is not a self-appointed leader. He didn't get ordained on the internet. right? His apostleship is by the will of God. 
God met him, converted him, brought him to himself, and sent him out on a mission. And we need to fill in a little bit of background for the statement, that statement to have its full impact on us, the way it would to the Corinthians. Paul's relationship with Corinth starts back in Acts chapter 18, when he had planted the church after being in Corinth for about a year and a half, teaching and evangelizing. So around AD 50 to 52. And after that time, he left and spent a good three years in Ephesus doing the the same thing. Now, somewhere in that three-year span, he writes a letter to the church at Corinth that we actually don't have today. He calls it his previous letter in 1 Corinthians 5. And there he's warning the Corinthians about several things. One is um, not to associate with immoral people. It's very likely this letter wasn't received well. Um, we, we, We don't have it. There's lots of reasons why we may not have a letter like this that's retained. One great possibility, though, is is that the the church decided not to preserve it. Kind of like when you get an overly critical email from a friend, you usually don't post that up on your bulletin board in your office. You delete it. And so we don't have this previous letter that Paul wrote. And then Paul went and visited the church at least twice um, after sending that letter. You see that in Acts chapter 19. And we know during that time frame, Paul was made aware of some serious issues within the church. There were factions over leaders. That's going to come up again in 2 Corinthians. Uh, For one thing, we know we still have it, but it wasn't long before Paul was forced to make an emergency visit from Ephesus to Corinth that he says was in grief, 2 Corinthians 2.1. And there, when he's on that visit, a leading figure in the church stands up in front of everyone in the church, including Paul, and opposes him and says, we shouldn't listen to this guy. He's, He's hurting us. He challenges his authority, and the church does nothing to back up Paul. They just sort of let it happen. And so Paul returns to Ephesus, writes another letter that we also don't possess, that he says was written out of much affliction and anguish of heart through many tears in 2 Corinthians 2.4. Perhaps another deleted email. And Titus actually carried that letter to Corinth for Paul and probably read it to the church out loud. But by God's grace, when Titus returned, he brought good news. The church took that message to heart and they had repented. They were going to deal with some needed church discipline issues in the congregation. They, they had changed their, their heart and reaffirmed their love for Paul. Good news. But there was also bad news that Titus brought. Criticisms against Paul were actually rising in the church from a particular group of teachers that had come in and were attacking his credentials as an apostle. These teachers are a little bit of a mystery as to their exact identity. They seem to have a Jewish background, uh, yet they're very kind of talented up front and outward in Christian ministry. And they're drawing support to themselves from the church. So they accuse Paul of being fickle and lying about coming to visit the Corinthians when he, his travel plans providentially changed. Paul had no letters of recommendation from religious authorities like these teachers did. Chapter 3. He didn't preach for pay like they did. Chapter 2. I think there's a good reason that Paul didn't take pay from the Corinthians. He was not a very dynamic... For the glory of God, Baptist Church of the Redeemer seeks to obey Christ in the great commission task of making disciples by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can find out about us at our website, bcredeemer.org.